The views, opinions, and content of the show hosts and their guests appearing on America's Web Radio are their own and do not necessarily reflect those of the station. You're listening to America's Web Radio. It's time now for the Doctor's Lounge Show with Dr. Hal Schurz. Well, if it's Thursday morning, it's time again for another episode of the Doctor's Lounge. Welcome in. Thank you for joining us. I'm your host, Dr. Hal Schurz, and every week, myself or my co-host, Dr. Scott Barber, brings you the information <clears throat> that affects your family or you from the medical world, talks about issues that doctors used to be allowed to talk about in public in doctors' lounges, but no longer because of the woke culture and censorship and the possibility of being um, de- uh, uh, decertified. <clears throat> um, the Doctors' Lounge is brought to you by the Docs for Patient Care Foundation, which is the only physician-led healthcare think tank in the country. <clears throat> the Doctors' Lounge, I'm sorry, the, Do- the Docs for Patient Care Foundation stands for uh, the principles of the doctor-patient relationship and healthcare freedom for all Americans. <clears throat> we uh, need your support and um, and you can help us by going to our website at www.d4pcfoundation.org. Um, That's d4pcfoundation.org. Um, if you have not yet made a uh, contribution in uh, memory of our uh, recently departed um, Executive Director Felicia Horton, may she rest in peace, um, please take the opportunity to do so on her behalf. Uh, it's one of the uh, two uh, uh, entities that she uh, felt uh, required people's support, and I know that uh, it would be uh, she's looking down on us and would very much appreciate your help. So please go to our website, d 4 pc.org and uh, make a contribution today in her name. Um, so I was getting a little bit tired about talking about the same kinds of things. And I thought that I would mix it up a little bit and talk about something different. So today I'm going to talk about the pandemic. Ah, gotcha, huh? You thought I was going to talk about the COVID pandemic, but no, We're not talking about the COVID pandemic. We're going to talk about the fentanyl pandemic. Yes, fentanyl. Fentanyl is a pandemic in this country. Um, And um, we've exhausted uh, the, the conversations about COVID. In fact, every night we're still talking about COVID, 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 and the resurgence of COVID. Well, COVID has killed in excess of a a million Americans or has been implicated in the deaths of a million Americans. It didn't necessarily kill them the way that the reporting is with COVID. You can die for some reason, and if they test you, you have COVID, that's considered a COVID death. But fentanyl, on the other hand, has been responsible for over a million American deaths since this fentanyl epidemic hit our shores. And fentanyl does kill. Fentanyl is the reason why so many Americans are dying. We don't hear about fentanyl, and I have to say, 
that in all the years that I've been doing this show, and I don't know why, we've just not really covered fentanyl. It seems like everybody else was talking about it, but not really talking about it the right way. They were not really diving into this or doing a deep dive, or if they were, they didn't really have any kind of um, meat on the bones talking about the story. So I thought today I would um, give a little bit of a primer on fentanyl and try to tie this to the geopolitical implications of what fentanyl is all about. Now, fentanyl is a drug. It is an, a synthetic opioid. It's a hundred times more potent than morphine. It's 50 times more potent than heroin. Um, it is the most potent opioid pain reliever available for medical use. And it is safe and effective when it is used in a monitored medical setting. So it does not fall into the same category as heroin or as crystal meth, but in um, cases where it is being used um, illegally, where it's being abused, it can be deadly. Um, and and I'm going to try to unpack some of this during this show. So fentanyl is available as a prescription under certain brand names. Actique, Duragesic, Sublimase. People with prescriptions for this drug will typically take it as a shot or as a dermal patch put it on their arm. Some people may use it as a throat lozenge, but people with substance use disorders use synthetic fentanyl illegally. For example, they will get it as a powder or in pill form, or they'll put it into containers such as eyedroppers or nasal sprays. There are street names for fentanyl, like Apache, China Girl, Goodfellas, Great Bear, Poison, Tango, and Cash. So, how does fentanyl work? Well, fentanyl, along with other opioid drugs, binds to receptors in your brain that affect pain and emotion. So, it causes feelings of euphoria and relaxation and also pain relief. And it will have a, a, a differing effect on different people based on their size, based on their weight, based on their overall state of health, and based on tolerance, whether or not they've been exposed to opioid drugs in the past. It will also depend on the amount somebody takes. Um, and whether or not they're taking it in combination with other drugs. Now, the medical uses for fentanyl include anesthesia. So people 
who are undergoing surgery will get fentanyl by the anesthesiologist. And in that setting, it is extremely safe when a, um, a, uh, trained medical person, an anesthesiologist, is administering the drug. It's also used for breakthrough cancer pain in patients who are already receiving opioid medication for underlying conditions and persistent pain. And it is also useful in pain management in people who have chronic, persistent, moderate to severe chronic pain, which um, requires continuous around-the-clock opioids. So there are different ways that people are prescribed this. Fentanyl patches are very common, and they are absorbed through the skin, and then they work their way into the bloodstream over 24 to uh, 72 hours. And, um, And this is one of the more common uses for fentanyl. And it has a whole array of, of potential side effects, which I'm not going into. But today we're going to focus mostly on the abuse of fentanyl and, um, and how we've gotten to this point and uh, where we may be going. Um, so fentanyl is a, um, a synthetic and it is made in a laboratory. And the, the, um, the fact is that, um, fentanyl is produced predominantly in China. And fentanyl and the fentanyl precursors, the, the substances that are used in the making of fentanyl, are predominantly Chinese manufactured compounds, and I'll get into that in a second. Let's talk about some fentanyl facts. First, fentanyl is the number one killer of adults in the U.S. age 18 to 45 since 2020. Just wrap your head around that statistic, because that is important. The number one killer of 18 to 45 year olds since 2020. That's astounding that that's happening. Um, a dose of fentanyl as little as two milligrams can be lethal. And we hear about these drug busts, people uh, confiscating the, uh, uh, law enforcement confiscating uh, quantities of fentanyl of 20 kilograms, 50 kilograms. Let me put this in perspective for you. One kilogram, a kilo of fentanyl is enough to kill half a million people. The, the, it, a kilogram of fentanyl is not much. It is a small little package, and it could kill um, half a million people. So these busts that are conducted where they're confiscating 20 kilograms, we're, we're talking about 
20 times that, 10 million people can be killed from that amount of fentanyl. That's astounding. The U.S. consumes 85% of the world's natural and synthetic opioids. And that's also an astounding statistic. The U.S. Um, let's talk about China for just a second. You know, China, and I'm going to get way deep into this, but China is is at war with us. We might not be at war with them, but they are at war with us. And they are systematically devising ways to take over our culture, to take over our economy, to take over our predominance as a superpower in the world, to kill our people, to get them hooked on things. Some examples, you know, they're, they're, um, we're hooked on Chinese money. Our corporations will do business with China knowing that they're supporting the Communist Chinese Party. The NBA is is woke. They are turning a blind eye to Chinese money because it's the largest market in the world and they don't want to give that up. Same with all the other major Fortune 500 companies that are doing business in China. They're turning a blind eye because they're hooked on Chinese money. Let's look at social media, TikTok. Do you know that TikTok is the most popular app in the United States right now? It's the most popular app. Every teenager in the U.S. is on TikTok right now. They are hooked on it. And do you know that the Chicoms limit the amount of time that their teenagers can be on these websites, on these apps? If they're on it too long, they are shut down. They can only go through one provider in China. And so if their use of the TikTok app or other of these addicting apps has exceeded the time limit, they are immediately shut down by the Communist Chinese Party because they know the addictive nature of these apps. In the U.S., they are providing this with no guardrails to all of our children, and they're just saying, be on it as much as you can. Because they know that, number one, they are hooking them on this, um, on these platforms where they're able to manipulate their thoughts, manipulate their ideas, and track their behavior and, and aggregate data on them and their households because they are owned by a company in China that has as half of its board members of the Communist Chinese Party. So these companies in China are all tied to the Communist Chinese Party, whose goal, whose sole goal is to um, 
supplant the U.S. and corrupt the U.S. and weaken the U.S. and to um, and to harm us. So they're doing that also with drugs. Do you know that that drug use in China is almost non-existent? And that's because there the penalties for drug use are so harsh in China that people would not dare use these drugs. And yet they are providing this these highly addictive, highly damaging drugs to the world, predominantly to the U.S. And the Chinese take the position, well, this isn't a Chinese problem. This is a U.S. problem. If there was not such an appetite for it in the U.S., then there would there would be no demand for it and there would be no problem here in the U.S., well, the Chinese are masterful at manipulating things to allow this to happen. Um, and now you don't need heroin. You know, we've got a, we've got a, uh, culture of drug use in this country, um, where it's not only being, um, I guess condoned, but it's not being prosecuted anymore. And these are people who are now viewed as having um, medical problems and not being criminals. And we know that when you criminalize this behavior um, and crack down on it, like in China, the problem is non-existent. When you are allowing it to happen and you're coddling people who have these problems, then it won't go away. And when you handcuff law enforcement and you make it impossible to uh, to crack down on drugs, and when you are um, allowing prosecutors in major urban centers who are George Soros surrogates, to um, allow this behavior to occur and um, not and not um, prosecute uh, drug crimes because this is not their fault. This is a problem of our society. This problem will not go away. So heroin um, addicts in the past are now becoming fentanyl addicts because heroin is much much more difficult to produce um, organically you have to have poppy fields you have to you have to be able to um, harvest the crop it takes manpower to do that and you can run a fentanyl lab for so little money so little expense and so little manpower out of an apartment that you don't need heroin anymore. You can you can substitute fentanyl for it, and the Chinese know that, and the Mexican cartels know that. And I'm going to try to um, unpack that for you in a moment. Um, but to make matters worse and to scare people even more, there are <clears throat> fentanyl-like um, substances, like carfentanil, which is actually used as an elephant tranquilizer, 
which is a hundred times stronger than fentanyl that is being produced and being put out there. So this is a, a enormous, enormous pro- problem that has its roots in China. So let me, let me, um, start by talking about China. And we're going to talk about how fentanyl gets here and how, how Chinese fentanyl can make it to our shores. So at first, China was the direct supplier of fentanyl to the United States. There are more than 5,000 firms that make up China's politically powerful pharmaceutical industry. And it's the world's largest in terms of exports of basic chemical ingredients and precursor compounds that are required for the manufacture of fentanyl. And it's second largest in terms of annual revenue. The U.S. is still the largest in terms of pharmaceutical uh, companies, but China is second um, with their fentanyl-producing companies um, valued at about a third of the value of U.S. pharmaceutical industry. The Chinese pharmaceutical industry produces more than 2,000 products um, in its annual output, and it is the world's leading exporter of chemicals. The world's leading exporter of chemicals. And China, beside its pharmaceutical companies, has between 160,000 and 400,000 chemical manufacturers and distributors. And many operate in China without legal approval. Others hide still behind shell companies that many in the Chinese Communist Party have financial ties to. And they are capable of manufacturing fentanyl and hiding it behind a massive amount of other drugs that they manufacture. And um, until 2019, um, there were countless Chinese chemical companies and brokers that exported fentanyl directly to the United States, even though those imports were illegal. Now, that has changed a bit because of the regulatory um, controls that were put on during the Trump administration. And during the Trump administration, there was cooperation between the Chinese government and the U.S. in interdiction and in um, trying to stop this flow of fentanyl directly into the United States. So what happened? Well, several things happened. Number one, the Trump administration is no longer in power. The Biden administration, which has um, a love for working with China and has ties that we cannot even scratch the surface on, but we know exist. We know that his son, Hunter Biden, is direct does direct business with China. And we know that there are other people in this administration and in our government who have close ties to China. We know that Eric Swalwell had a girlfriend who is a Chinese communist spy. We know that Dianne Feinstein had a 
driver who was a Chinese communist agent. And that's just the ones we know about. It goes so deep. And the Chinese have, um, they are, they are very, very shrewd because they have, um, uh, opened the door to, uh, taking down the U.S. by, um, by poisoning our population and providing drugs that, um, are going to lead to our demise and they know it. So the Chinese, have already switched from manufacturing fentanyl to manufacturing the precursor compounds that are necessary to create fentanyl. And those are not illegal. So this is basic chemistry 101. You need, if in synthetic, in making any kind of compounds, you need to have precursor compounds that you mix together in certain um, amounts to create another compound. And when you have compounds that are not viewed as controlled substances or dangerous, but mixed together can have the potential to create something that is highly addictive and highly dangerous... That's when you have problems because nobody is minding the store. Nobody's watching how those precursor compounds are getting to North America. So the Chinese traders have switched to selling precursor chemicals. And who do they sell them to? They sell them to Mexican cartels. They sell them to other unscrupulous um, entities who are involved in illegal activities, illegal drug trade around the world. And the Chinese know this. And they are not acting on it. They are turning a blind eye because it serves their purpose, which is to get as many Americans hooked on narcotics to get as many Americans to die from using tainted drugs as possible because it suits their purpose. Here's a fun fact. China is also the principal supplier of the precursor chemicals for methamphetamine production in Asia and in Mexico. And... Um, in the 1990s up until the mid 2010s um, uh, crystal meth was produced methamphetamine was produced in southern China um, for export to Australia and throughout eastern Asia and they would use um, uh, drug trafficking um, pathways through countries where there was very poor enforcement of drug laws and where there was high corruption, countries such as Myanmar or Thailand or um, other countries in the um, in in the uh, uh, South China Sea, um, in the um, in the mid 2015s, China. Crackdown on their domestic production of meth 
but not of fentanyl and not of the precursors for fentanyl because fentanyl is highly more addictive than meth and easier to produce. Um, so in um, so I said to you already that since the fentanyl crisis hit, over a million Americans have died from drug overdoses. But between October 2020 and September 2021, not very long ago, 105,000 people died of drug overdoses in the U.S. And almost 80,000 of those, about um, uh, a little over 85% of them, were from fentanyl. So since since China is involved in the production and started doing this, um, they needed to get it to the U.S. shores. So how did they do this? Well, there's no better place to do it than through Mexico. Mexico has a clear pathway of drugs up through the border and has a long history of drug smuggling, whether it is um, it is uh, um, uh, cannabis, whether it is um, cocaine, whether it is heroin. There is there are supply chains that allow these drugs to flow from Mexico into the U.S. and China is well aware of that. And China actually has forged relationships with Mexico um, uh, diplomatically, but more importantly, the crime syndicates in China, many of which are tied to the Chinese Communist government, the triads, they're tied to the illegal... um, uh, crime syndicates in Mexico, the Mexican drug cartels. And we are at a hard break right now. This is the mid portion of our show. So let me collect our thoughts and I'm going to bring you to how our porous border and how this Chinese orchestrated um, drug wave is uh, related to what's happening right now at the southern border. So stay with us. The Docs for Patient Care Foundation is your way to join the fight and become a member of an organization created by doctors for patients dedicated to fighting for your health care freedom and preserving the doctor-patient relationship. Get a pen and paper. Write down docsforpatientcarefoundation.org. That's D-O-C-S, the number four, patientcarefoundation.org. Go to our site and please make a generous tax-deductible donation and join the fight today. Thank you. In 2009, the membership organization Docs for Patient Care was founded. People all around the country wanted to participate in the efforts of this group, and they wanted to join, but they were unable to do so unless they were physicians. It's for this reason that the Docs for Patient Care Foundation was created. Now, everyone can join the fight and become a member of an organization created by doctors for patients dedicated to fighting for your health care freedom and preserving the doctor-patient relationship. While you're at your computer, 
please go to www.docs4patientcarefoundation.org. That's www.docs4patientcarefoundation.org and make a tax-deductible donation and join the fight along with us. Thank you. You're listening to America's Web Radio on the AmericasBroadcastNetwork.com. Thank you for listening. We're back in the doctor's lounge. Thank you for joining us today. Um, we are talking today about a topic that, surprisingly, I have not um, discussed in all the years that I've done this show. And for the life of me, I can't really explain why not. And it was high time that we talked about the fentanyl crisis in the U.S., because doctors are at the forefront of this crisis. We are taking care of the aftermath of what these drugs are doing to not just the teens who, or not just the um, the addicts who are um, using these um, drugs that they don't know are. Um, being substituted for drugs that they thought they were once taking, like heroin um, or meth, but are being pressed into pills by illegal pill manufacturers because fentanyl is so easy to make and uh, and and to um, uh, create counterfeit drugs that um, our teens are getting on the internet um, or. Uh, from what they think are legitimate uh, places when, in fact, they are counterfeit, lethal drugs. Before we go on, let me just uh, plug our um, upcoming uh, um, direct primary care conference. This is still um, not 100%, but it is um, almost uh, a for sure thing. It's going to be the weekend of November 11th in Dallas, and it's something that um, every primary care doctor who is in direct primary care should think about coming to. And if you are thinking about leaving the um, the hamster wheel of the uh, uh, working for hospitals or working for entities other than for yourself and thinking that you want to um, jettison insurance companies and start taking care of patients, this would be a great opportunity for you to learn about direct primary care and how that can change your life and the life of your patients. Um, just keep uh, uh, track of this on our website at uh, www.d4pcfoundation.org and you'll uh, learn more about the upcoming meeting and I hope that you will come. There's going to be a lot of excellent uh, um, information and uh, skills that are going to be uh, taught from surgical specialists to direct primary care doctors who utilize some of these basic skills in their practices every day. So the Chinese... Uh, create have created the fentanyl um, crisis in the U.S. and it's much a, a, a byproduct of our own fecklessness in this country because we've allowed it to happen in several ways. Number one, we have outsourced the manufacture of so many drugs and so much to China because the money was there or it was cheaper to manufacture it 
there was big money to be made by companies to outsource it or it was cheaper to allow the Chinese to make it than to have American companies make it. So this is the long game that they've played. And they now have um, uh, cornered the market on uh, on drugs and drug um, precursors. Um, I've said this on this show previously when we've talked about um, the Chinese and drug manufacturing. Um, they own the uh, world's um, stock of acetaminophen and um, and also um, um, uh, aspirin. So uh, it's it's this is this is a product of our uh, inability to support what should have been a U.S. industry. It always has been. But it also is um, because of the appetite of U.S. Um, uh, citizens for using illicit drugs. And there's numerous reasons for that, and um, I don't want to get into that because I want to spend the rest of the time talking about the Mexican cartels. So the Mexicans um, have are playing a gigantic role in the deadly rise of... Um, of fentanyl. Um, fentanyl is, it leads to drug trafficking because it's more portable and more potent than, um, the natural substances are, um, like heroin. It is less risky for, um, the drug producers to produce. It's easy to produce. And because it is so much more potent, Smaller amounts can um, result in incredible, incredible profits to these uh, uh, drug manufacturers and drug cartels. Um, a kilo of fentanyl in this country can yield as much as $1.3 million, one kilo. And you compare that to a kilo of heroin, which can yield about seventy-five thousand dollars. The the um, the profits are astounding, and it's no surprise that the Mexican cartels would prefer to traffic in fentanyl than in heroin. China, as we've talked about, produces nearly all the fentanyl and the fentanyl analogs and fentanyl precursors in the world. But there are other countries that are on the rise. India, surprisingly, is has a very large chemical infrastructure, and they are, have entered the fentanyl market. But th- because fentanyl is so easy to make in mom-and-pop shops... Um, crime syndicates in other countries, such as Nigeria um, and South Africa, have gotten into the game of producing fentanyl and uh, distributing it in Africa and in Australia and in um, and in uh, the Middle East. Mexico transit and production of fentanyl is growing by the day uh, major um, predominantly because of the two largest 
criminal, criminal, I'm sorry, my mouth is not working today, criminal crime syndicates in Mexico, the Sinaloa cartel, that was the El Chapo uh, cartel, and the Jalisco cartel New Generation, or the CGNG. And they are the most important Mexican purveyors of the drug and its precursors. Although there are many smaller criminal criminal organizations and contractors in Mexico that are playing a significant role in the production and transit of drugs through the chain through Mexico into the U.S. It's not clear how much Mexico-sourced fentanyl is being consumed in the U.S., um, but there are conflicting accounts how much is arriving daily from China versus how much is being manufactured and coming from Mexico. And U.S. authorities claim that the Dominicans are an important part of this drug trafficking network because they own the drug trafficking um, pathways throughout the Northeast. Um, they've, they've made their fortunes in meth trafficking, but the same pathways have been used for fentanyl, and fentanyl is far more lucrative than meth. The pathway, the flow through Mexico is interesting, and I think I should spend a moment telling you about that. So, where is the drugs coming from? Well, first, much of it is, are coming into Mexico through ports f- from Asia, from these thousands of Chinese chemical corporations. And they are making their way into large Pacific ports in Mexico, like uh, Manzanilla and Lazaro Cardenas. And they, because Mexico is so corrupt, and there's so many people on the take in Mexico, there is no way to um, police these massive amounts of chemicals that are coming into the country on a weekly basis. Um, so these ports absorb um, the fentanyl and fentanyl precursors that are coming from Asia and arriving in Mexican ports, and then they dispatch them. These drug cartels send them um, um, by by rail or by by truck to storage and production points throughout Mexico, predominantly Mexico City, Guadalajara, and Culacan. I am not pronouncing that correctly, so please please uh, forgive me. So these precursors, these chemical precursors, are then converted into fentanyl. And pure fentanyl is laced into fake prescription pills throughout Mexico. They are pressed into pills that contain uh, lactose or that contain glucose or other inert substances. And they put fentanyl in there and they've got counterfeit drug presses so that they can press pills, manufacture pills 
that look identical to prescription pills, predominantly oxycodone. And the problem is that there is no control over how much fentanyl gets pressed into a pill. So that's why you hear about a teen who was online and who found a site maybe on the dark web where they could purchase um, uh, oxycodone for a cheap amount of money, you know, maybe for, you know, $10 a pill. And uh, and so they buy it, and they're having been exposed to fentanyl, number one, and number two, having a dose that may exceed their ability to um, to uh, process the drug in their system, to be able to metabolize it, that will result in a fatal drug overdose. Remember, just two milligrams of fentanyl can be lethal, and you don't know how many milligrams might be in one particular um, pill. In some pills, there may be a half a milligram. In some pills, there may be three milligrams. There's no quality control. They just take it and put it into pills and press it into counterfeit pills. And that's what's happening. And these pills are being loaded onto trucks, onto planes, onto boats, and they are being shipped into the U.S., they are being shipped to Tijuana, and people are crossing the border there. They are being shipped by truck, by car, into San Diego. The California border is um, clearly the most porous border for drugs coming into the U.S. 75% of the fentanyl and fake pills move across the Tijuana-San Diego border. And they do it via passenger cars where the um, the drugs are put into um, the wheel wells of, of trucks or cars or into the side panels of cars. And remember, one kilo of fentanyl can fetch a million dollars or more in, in, on the street. And so there is, you know, a high risk reward here for bringing in, um, drugs across the border. And, uh, and because we are not prosecuting these crimes like we once did, there is so little risk to, um, to transporting the drugs that uh, these these criminals see very little downside and a huge upside. And so the Mexican cartels are not only doing business across the California border, but they are watching what's happening with the Biden administration and the open border at um, along the Texas um, Arizona, New Mexico border, where people are pouring in. If you watched the news yesterday, yesterday in Texas, they had a record number of people crossing the Rio Grande. It was just 
unbelievable how there was just a constant stream. It never ended. There was a constant stream of people just walking across the river. There was no break in that, in that string of people. Over 25,000 people yesterday came across that border crossing point into Texas. And the problem is with fentanyl that these people coming in, so many of them are mules for the cartels. The cartels either make them smuggle drugs into the U.S., or they reward them. You know, it costs a lot of money for them to um, make their way into the U.S. And so the cartels will, in many cases, give them free passage into the U.S. if they bring a, a backpack with them into the U.S. And when they do that, they drop that backpack at prescribed points that they're told to just drop their backpack. And the criminal cartel network is watching and on the lookout for that drop so that they can um, claim that backpack and that's their, their, um, their, the, the drugs making their way into the U.S. for them to distribute throughout the U.S. Not only are they being put onto um, onto people being uh, coming into this country um, through backpacks or being strapped to their body, but they are forcing people to put them into body cavities, like into their rectum or into the vagina, or even to swallow them. They recovered the body. The uh, our border patrol recovered the body of um, of a, a, a woman near the El Paso border in September and when they um, they examined her body they did an autopsy they found a bag of fentanyl pills inside her stomach and um, there were there were um, hundreds of pills inside that bag and this is this is not uncommon. And we're seeing this more and more because we have fewer Border Patrol um, agents. Those that are on patrol are being diverted to becoming social workers instead of becoming being true Border Patrol agents and protecting our country. There are fewer drug um, uh um, uh, uh, canine uh, uh, drug dogs on patrol. They've they've um, drastically limited the number of of dogs that are used because uh, that poses a threat to the to the immigrants coming across the country. And this is this is a a um, a problem that has no end in sight. I'm afraid. And it is something that has um, a um, a solution which we fail to grasp. And the solution starts with closing our southern border. And until we do that, this problem, this drug problem, this fentanyl problem is never going to be solved because... 
the people that are coming across the border, we are only seeing part of what's coming across the border. There is just as many people coming across the border that we don't know about, and they are transporting this filth, this this poison across our border, and our government is complicit in it. They are allowing it to happen. And so there is a solution to this, but I'm afraid that we may be reaching a point where it is impossible to stop this because it's so easy to make fentanyl now. You can make it in your kitchen using using um, uh, chemical precursors that are coming from China. Um, the um, distribution networks in the United States um, are are so um, pervasive. They are so um, structured that um, the scope of the problem is is enormous. This is not a problem. This illegal um, uh, alien problem and drug smuggling problem is not a problem of Texas. It's not a problem of California. It's a problem all across the country. The number of emergency room um, overdoses from fentanyl reported since 2017, let me just give you this number, in the Northeast, 25,000. In the Midwest, the Chicago, um, Minneapolis, um, Wisconsin area, 18,000. In the South, 13,000. Interestingly, in the West, just a thousand. The, there is way more of a drug pathway to get these drugs out of the border states and into high drug urban centers around the country and not even urban centers but rural America like Appalachia where there is such high drug use because of poverty and um, just despair and it starts in China it goes to Mexico it involves distribution to the the um, Mexican-based cartels and their um, and, and their uh, collaborators that they've outsourced the trafficking to the Dominicans or the Haitians, and then they bring them to these drugs, pill mostly pills. Um, because it is far more lucrative than using um, powder, but powders too, and they're no longer um, uh, selling heroin. They're selling fentanyl that is being um, uh, sold um, as heroin. They're, and addicts are using this, these drugs thinking that they are taking heroin, when it's far more lethal, far more addictive, and um, and so the um, 
these drugs are getting to northeast distribution points, which, by the way, are being um, sent to places that these distributors own. They're not even in places that are um, that are shady. They're in neighborhoods. They're in developments. These um, drug traffickers are very sophisticated, and they own real estate. They can afford to buy real estate when these these drugs are so lucrative, and they buy nice houses in nice neighborhoods, and people have no idea that these places are distribution points or manufacturing points for um, for fentanyl and uh, powders coming in and fentanyl presses, pressing pills, and they're getting sent into... If they're in in suburban New York, in Westchester County, or in in Long Island, they're being sent into um, into um, Brooklyn or into Harlem. Or if they're in Washington D.C., they're being at, outside of Washington D.C. in Arlington. They're being sent to D.C. into the ghetto or into Appalachia, and it is infecting every part of our country. So we've got just a couple minutes left. And so uh, you know, I think that um the 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 problem with fentanyl has been ignored. We and I I say that um tongue in cheek because it hasn't been ignored. People write about it and they talk about it, but they've really just uh, um turned a blind eye. Because if there was really a um, an appetite to curb this, it would start with border enforcement. We could forget about China. We're at war with China, and we don't know it. And so don't expect the Chinese to contribute any, any help to us. But we can help ourselves by enforcing drug laws, by being more cognizant of what's coming across the border and closing the damn border and building the damn wall and giving our border patrol agents the ability to protect our country. And until then, anybody who is allowing this to happen is complicit in the fentanyl crisis. So I've said my piece on fentanyl. I don't think we'll be coming back to this for a while. But I want everybody to know about this. So thanks for being with us today. And come back next week and join my co-host, Dr. Scott, on the next episode of The Doctor's Lounge. Thanks for being with us. The views, opinions, and content of the show hosts and their guests appearing on America's Web Radio are their own and do not necessarily reflect those of the station. You're listening to America's Web Radio on the AmericasBroadcastNetwork.com. Thank you for listening.